itself as the U.S. gives a second COVID vaccine emergency authorization just a short time ago. The FDA giving the green light to Moderna's vaccine on the heels of Pfizer's rollout. Vice President Mike Pence today getting his shot on live TV. But is the rollout stumbling? 27 states saying vaccine shipments for next week have been slashed up to 40%. What the Trump administration says is behind it. Hospitals overflowing as COVID cases explode. The new warnings with Christmas just a week away. Long lines to get tested before the holiday. The Supreme Court handing President Trump a victory on the census. But with COVID surging, Americans struggling and the U.S. government hit by cyber attacks, why has he been out of sight? Outrage tonight and Chicago's mayor under fire admitting she knew about this botched police raid on an innocent woman over a year before the video emerged. My exclusive conversation with a man who served 19 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Finally, free. Walmart and TikTok teaming up for a first-of-its-kind event tonight. Could it change the way you shop? And the coach going the extra mile, more than a thousand of them, to stay connected to his students. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening, everyone. The FDA has just authorized emergency use of that second COVID vaccine, Moderna's, putting millions more vaccine doses into the supply chain beginning in just a few days. It comes amid concerns over whether Operation Warp Speed has been slowing, with worries some states aren't getting the allotments they were counting on. The administration tonight projecting confidence in its distribution plans and the vaccines themselves. Tom Costello has late details. Today, a dramatic move from the Trump administration to boost public confidence in a COVID vaccine. Vice President Pence, his wife Karen Pence, and the Surgeon General on camera receiving the Pfizer vaccination. History will record that this week was the beginning of the end of the coronavirus pandemic. President-elect and Dr. Biden should receive their vaccinations next week. Since President Trump recently recovered from COVID, the White House says he will get the shot when his medical team recommends it. But tonight, at least 27 states are expressing frustration, claiming the administration is cutting their promised Pfizer vaccine allotments for next week by up to 40%. Where are our doses? What is holding them up? When can we expect them? I'm angry because this virus is raging on in this country. We're certainly frustrated that we won't be receiving the amount that we expected in the first wave. At first, the Trump administration suggested Pfizer shipments were delayed. But Pfizer responded, no shipments containing the vaccine are on hold or delayed. We have millions more doses sitting in our warehouse, but as of now, we have not received any shipment instructions for additional doses. Hmm. The government insists it's shipping what's available. We'll work to clear up any misunderstanding they've got, uh, uh, but, but, uh, but it's really just a miscommunication between the governors and us. Health experts say this is no time for miscommunication. We should not have doses sitting around waiting for instructions. Uh, more than 200,000 Americans are getting infected every day. Three, 4,000 Americans are dying every day. We've got to get these vaccines out. This week, nearly 3 million Pfizer doses shipped. Another 2 million should ship next week. Plus, 5.9 million doses of the new Moderna vaccine, more than doubling the vaccine doses available. We likely will see shots in the arm by the very early part of next week. I would hope Monday or Tuesday. Also tonight, a third person in Alaska has suffered a serious allergic reaction to the Pfizer vaccine, treated in the ER and released, as millions report no serious side effects. 
Lester? All right, Tom, thank you. And while it'll be months before most people are vaccinated, the here and now of this pandemic continues to close in on us. Another daily record for infections and no available ICU beds in the densest part of California. That means, listen to this, it means more than 27 million people don't have access to an ICU bed if needed. And now the rush for Christmas testing is on. Miguel Almaguer has more. This is what it looks like when hospitals reach a breaking point. Tonight, Central California joining the southern end of the state in crisis. No open ICU beds for a region home to more than 27 million people. All of these patients throughout this section of the ER have COVID, and they're seriously ill with COVID. Hallways, lobbies, even parking lots are stacked with the sick. We have patients just waiting for days for a bed. A lot of them are sitting in chairs for days. In Los Angeles County, where some testing sites are reporting a 30% positivity rate, one person is now dying every 15 minutes from the virus. In addition to COVID patients, ERs are handling everyday emergencies. Those problems combined are putting the healthcare system on the brink. We will go under. We expect to have more dead bodies and we have spaces and morgues for them. With yet another record number of Americans testing positive for the virus, nationwide, at least 900 hospitals are reporting ICUs at 90% capacity. The suffering perhaps only matched by the grief. As a firefighter medic, DJ Lopez would have been next in line for the vaccine. He died last week. He would have been one of the first to receive it and... I wish he could have held out just a little bit longer. Tonight, help cannot come soon enough for a nation in pain. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. I'm Vicki Wynn. Just days before the holidays tonight, long lines for COVID tests in California. NBC News producers from coast to coast found wait times varied widely. Today, it is a very long line. At public testing sites, tests are free. In Florida, there's still about a half hour wait. But in L.A., it's packed. No wait at this New Jersey urgent care. Just come on in. But in Dallas, it's a minimum of three hours right now. In almost every region, we found private testing centers offered tests without a wait. But it was costly. $250. Healthcare experts say that's because these centers are usually out of network or don't take insurance. One survey found that one in six out-of-network COVID tests cost in excess of $400. So important. You check with your health insurance provider, make sure where you're getting tested is part of your insurance network. Doctors warn against travel, but say if you do, a negative test doesn't mean let your guard down. Having a negative test, any negative test, is not a free pass. Please wear your mask, please socially distance. So which test should you get? Depends on how much time you have. PCR tests are the most accurate, but results can take days. Rapid tests will give you a result within minutes, but they may not be as accurate. Lester? All right, Vicki Wynn tonight. Thank you. 13 years ago, Subaru created the Share the Love event to help those in need. This year, charities are struggling to get a hold, which is why Subaru plans to donate over $24 million again this year. Subaru Share the Love event. President Trump won at least a temporary victory today in the Supreme Court. He dismissed a lawsuit challenging his plan to exclude undocumented immigrants from the census. With more on that, here's Pete Williams. 
The president's plan would, for the first time ever, leave undocumented immigrants out of the census. I'm with the U.S. Census Bureau. The figures that are used to decide how many seats the states get in the U.S. House, how many votes they have in the Electoral College, and how much they get in billions of dollars of federal grants based on population. By a 6-3 to three vote, the court dismissed a challenge to the Trump plan, saying there's too much about it that's unknown. The court said it isn't clear whether the Census Bureau can even figure out how many undocumented people are here and what effect removing them from the census would have on the states. Several states with large immigrant populations sued to block the plan, saying they would lose political power. The lawyers for those states say if President Trump does try to change the census number, they'll file another lawsuit. If that happens, we'll be right back in court. Um, we'll sue, and I am very confident that we will be able to get that policy ruled uh, unconstitutional. When this case was argued just a few weeks ago, a majority of the court seemed to think the Trump plan would violate the Constitution's command that the census include the whole number of persons in each state. Lester? All right. Williams, thank you. With the country on edge right now, facing multiple calamities, the president has not been seen publicly for days. And now Democrats and some Republicans are criticizing his absence from discussions on urgent matters, including the exploding pandemic and cybersecurity. Kristen Welker has the latest. Tonight, President Trump out of sight for five straight days while COVID deaths spiked. Congress struggled to reach a relief bill and amid a suspected Russian cybersecurity attack. President Trump, what is he doing today? Is he helping respond to the pandemic? Is he helping us pass a bipartisan relief bill? Is he helping us respond to this Russian attack? In a setting not to have the White House uh, aggressively speaking out and protesting and, and taking a punitive action is really, really quite extraordinary. The president's last public comments in interview that aired Sunday, where he repeated baseless claims of voter fraud. And we're going to continue to go forward. While there's been a parade of administration officials before the camera this week, the president has had no public events on his schedule, instead tweeting more than 80 times since Monday. Leading his team. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes on that isn't necessarily public, uh, but he is, he is hard at work. NBC News yeah, presidential right. historian Michael Beschloss. What message does it send to the American public to not hear from the president during a pivotal week? If you do not have the president responding to crises and explaining what he's going to do about them, it makes people extremely anxious and nervous. President Trump did speak with French President Macron Thursday, who tested positive for COVID, wishing him a speedy recovery. Lester. All right, Kristen, thanks. Chicago's mayor is on defense over that botched police raid of an innocent woman caught on camera after first saying she only learned about the incident this week. Lori Lightfoot now acknowledges it was brought to her attention over a year ago. Here's Sam Brock with that. Less than 24 hours after the release of new body cam video. You got the wrong house! Showing Chicago police bursting into Anjanette Young's apartment naked and confused for someone else. I mean, the guns were pointed and drawn, and I was fearful for my life. And I actually thought that if I made any type of wrong move, that they would shoot me. Chicago's mayor forced to ramp up the damage control again after originally stating she first learned of the botched raid this week. In November of 19, this Ms. Young's case and others were lifted up to my attention. I don't have any contemporaneous recollection of this. Now, tonight, Lightfoot unveiling another twist, dropping legal action against Young's attorney who released the video. 
writing, I believe that we should give Attorney Salter the benefit of the doubt that he did not appreciate that the court's confidentiality order continued in full force and effect. Without that video, the incident may have never come to light. As the outrage in Chicago continues to build over cries of injustice. Sam Brock, NBC News. In Pennsylvania, a 45-year-old man is tasting freedom tonight, exonerated after nearly two decades in prison for a crime he didn't commit. His case, the latest in a string of exonerations tied to police conduct in Philadelphia. Jermaine Hicks spoke with me today about his release. 19 years, baby! The falling snow said winter, but it felt like springtime, a rebirth to Termaine Hicks, set free on Wednesday after 19 years behind bars. I felt like I was 100 pounds lighter, the snow was coming down, it was a beautiful day to me. The Philadelphia man in his first TV interview since his exoneration on rape and other charges. Has your story ever changed? Never. In 2001, he says he ran to an alley after hearing a woman's screams. He says he reached for his cell phone to call 911. That's when a responding Philadelphia police officer opened fire, striking Hicks three times. Officers said they caught him raping the woman, claiming he pointed a gun at them. And then you were arraigned and charged with rape as you were shackled to a hospital bed. And I'm sitting there like, what the hell? No! Hicks was convicted of rape and aggravated assault, largely on the testimony of officers. But in a stunning turn, the Philadelphia DA's office recently concluded much of the testimony against Hicks was false. DNA and other contradictory evidence cast further doubt. They rushed to a judgment that he was the assailant and, and shot him three times in the back. Hicks marks the 16th exoneration since 2018, attributed to the Philadelphia DA's Conviction Integrity Unit, rebuilt by Larry Krasner, who became DA well after Hicks's conviction. Are these exonerations a win or a loss to a prosecutor's office? These are a win. Every prosecutor should care about the truth, should be seeking justice. The exonerations have put Philadelphia's police department under a harsh light. A police spokesman telling NBC News the officers involved in Termaine Hicks' arrest have been placed on restrictive duty during an internal investigation. I think you'd be justified if you were bitter. Are you bitter? Oh, no, no. Not at all, man. Now, physically and mentally, I wouldn't have made it through it. Though Termaine Hicks believes he was framed for a crime he didn't commit, it's what's in this frame he plans to carry forward with him. Termaine tells me he hopes to become a voice for other innocent men he says he came to know while he was in prison. In just 60 seconds, the newest way to shop, watching it live and buying it right from an app on your phone, shipping and handling included. Back now with a first-of-its-kind event happening tonight. Walmart teaming up with TikTok for a live-stream holiday sale. Jolene Kent, how it could change the way you shop. The next generation of QVC and the Home Shopping Network is headed for your phone. In a new test, Walmart will live-stream a shopping event on Chinese-owned TikTok, giving users a chance to buy items without leaving the app, hosted by popular influencers with huge following. If you're watching a TikTok video and somebody's got a piece of apparel or an item on it that you really like, if you, what if you could just quickly purchase that item? And that's that's what we're seeing happen in countries around. This holiday at T-Mobile, get an iPhone 12 with 5G on us on every single plane. Switch
switch now and save 20% in your bill versus the other guys. That's right. The iPhone 12 on us. It's time to call it. since the death of George Floyd, one state has passed a landmark law to hold police more accountable for excessive force. Erin McLaughlin has our joint NBC News investigation with the Marshall Project. Elijah McLean was a 23-year-old with no criminal record. Walking home from a store in August 2019, Aurora, Colorado. Police stopped him following a call of a suspicious person wearing a ski mask. Stop, I have a right to stop you because you're being suspicious. The confrontation quickly escalates. Officers used an outband chokehold to restrain McLean. Paramedics then administered ketamine to sedate him. He was rushed to the hospital unresponsive. Days later, pronounced dead. McLean's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the officers who denied wrongdoing and were shielded legally from civil suits under a dead law in Colorado called qualified immunity, which makes it difficult to sue police for serious misconduct. For too long, law enforcement officers have not even had to stand in front of a court or a judge and say, here's what I did and here's why I did it. Instead, they've been able to claim qualified immunity and not even have to go through that process. I think that's wrong. McLean's case and others push Colorado lawmakers to take drastic action to enhance police accountability. Over the summer, Colorado became the first state to end qualified immunity. It allows a jury to make the determination of whether or not there was a constitutional violation. Meaning police officers can now be held personally liable for up to $25,000 if their department determines they acted in bad faith. Police union officer Rob Pride claims the new law leaves the community less protected. It's causing officers to hesitate doing their job. We do not want them hesitating. And even leading some officers to leave the force entirely. If they have to make a split-second decision to save the life of a community member or themselves, uh, we don't want them thinking about $25,000. If that hesitancy is keeping people in our communities alive, I think it's the right thing. Officers should have to think before they pull the trigger. They should. Humanity matters! The Klan's family and activists now hoping other states will follow suit. Aaron McLaughlin, NBC News, Denver. In upstate New York, a man who drove off a road and was trapped in a mountain of snow is recovering tonight. Kevin Crescent's car was buried by a snowplow and 40 inches of snow that fell in the area. He was able to call 911 and after 10 hours without heat, a state trooper found him. He was suffering from hypothermia and frostbite, but he is okay. Up next, a coach who's going the extra mile and inspiring America. Run around on the field, leave all the...
finally tonight as we wrap up our spotlight on inspiring teachers we meet a coach who found his own way to stay engaged with his kids here's morgan radford i started with a shape with students in front of screens and stuck inside it's miss radford here physical education teachers are getting extra creative rotation curl the hardest part about it is just not being with the kids those kids are the reason athletic director Joe Schalmoser went the extra mile, taking his class on the road in Illinois. My goal was 10 a day. And paying each of his students a surprise visit at home. I see a silver car pull up, and I'm like, what? My PE teacher was standing on my driveway. It was kind of shocking. 24 days, 229 stops, over 1,200 miles, more than 2,000 burpees. And of course, one of his signature dad jokes that his students have come to love. Why should you never pick a fight with Santa Claus? Because then you won't get a Christmas present. Because he has a black belt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it took me one little millisecond. <laughs> An exercise in humor and a reminder. There's one message you leave with each of your students at the end of your visits. What's that message? Three things. He loves all his students. He misses us. And he can't wait to see us back in school again. A message they take awesome. to heart. Thanks, Coach Joe. Morgan Radford, NBC News. I've got grandkids. I could use that Santa joke. <laughs> That's nightly news for this Friday. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night.